I keep thinking this is my 30th Easter here. It is not. It is my 29th. 30 Easter's ago, I was in my last Easter at my previous uh, church where I served at Hughes United Methodist Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. I was the director of youth, young adults, and children's ministries and educational ministries, uh, all kind of lumped into one. And I remember that I was so looking forward to coming to my first appointment uh, after I was ordained, because 30 years ago I wasn't ordained yet. They had said, I think by this point in the year, they had said, yes, they would ordain me, um, uh, but it didn't happen until June. And so I, I looked back and spent part of my week thinking about how I saw Easter 30 years ago and how I saw God 30 years ago, because you see Easter through the eyes of the way you're seeing God. The truth is, whatever God you believe in often shapes uh, how you see the world. And oftentimes, the kind of world you believe in is how you shape your God. 30 years ago, I could have told you a whole long list of attributes of God. I could have told you about God's justice and God's righteousness and God's, uh, God's infinite grace. I could have told you about all of those things. 30 years later, I have to tell you that I only know one attribute of God. One. And that's love. That is what God is. When, we, uh, when the letter of 1 John is being written... Uh, he doesn't say God likes to love or God has love or God throws God's love around. The writer of 1 John says God is love. Not God is anger. Not God is judgment. Not God is vindication or any of those issues. God is love. Love. And if you want to know what Easter is about, it's about love. Yes, it's about new life. It's about the chains being broken. I loved yesterday morning, every week, Mark Hayes, who makes our sermon slides weekly, uh, sends me a list of between, sometimes he's pretty clear, these are the two that work, maybe. Uh, but yesterday he sent me five. No, he sent me six. And the third, maybe it was five. It doesn't matter. The third one was the one you see behind me. And suddenly, it caught me. That Easter is about releasing chains. It was about opening to love. I was doing some research about Easter because, you know, what else do United Methodist pastors have to do with their time? Uh, I was doing some research about Easter. And I was listening to um, a professor talk about the first 200 years of what Easter looked like. And it looked different. It looked different than what we do today. Starting on Holy Thursday, that was three days ago, the community of faith would begin to pray 
and fast for a new experience, for the experience of true resurrection to come upon them on Easter Sunday. Not to go back and just commemorate an empty tomb, but a prayer that resurrection power would come upon them then so they could witness to the world the goodness of God's love. That's what they spent the first 200 years fasting and praying and leading up to Easter, the prayer that the resurrection would become real in them so that the rest of the world would see it, so that we would know we are loved. I don't think you get to hear that often enough. You may hear it from me on Sunday morning. I try to make sure these days that I say it every single Sunday morning. I say it in every Tuesday Facebook post I make. You are infinitely precious. You are unconditionally loved just because you're you. Not because you're going to achieve something or what you might do down the road or decisions you make or even what you believe. You are loved. And Easter is about catching the life that makes it worth sharing how loved you are because the fact you're here is proof of love. Did you catch that flavor in Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon? We are here. If, if, if God didn't love us, God didn't like us, we'd cease to exist. We are loved into being right here, right now. That's our proclamation on this Easter Sunday morning. Not that 2,000 years ago, a tomb was empty because new life came into the world. But right now, it matters now. Our problem is, it's not just a memory. It's a now. It's a now. Now, of course, I say that, and I'm going to read you the story. That's from then. Because I think it's important for us to hear these words about that first Easter from John chapter... 20. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so she ran off to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and told them, the rabbi has been taken from the tomb. We don't know where they have put Jesus. At that, Peter and the other disciples started out toward the tomb. They were running side by side, but then the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. You know, does it always have to be a competition to get to Easter first? I, I, you know, I just don't even get... Okay, sorry, that was just a side comment. I read it this morning while I was at sunrise, and I was like, my gosh, does it have to be a race? It's not a race. You're already there. You're already loved. In any case, sorry. The disciple that Jesus loved didn't enter, but bent down to peer in and saw the linen wrappings lying on the ground. Then Simon Peter arrived and entered the tomb. He observed the linen wrappings on the ground, saw the piece of cloth that had covered Jesus' head lying not with the wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the disciple who had arrived first at the tomb went in. He saw and believed. And yet... 
They didn't understand the scripture that Jesus was to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Meanwhile, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. Even as she wept, she stooped to peer inside, and there she saw two angels in dazzling robes. One was seated at the head and the other at the foot of the place where Jesus had been laying. They asked her, why are you weeping? She answered them, because they have taken away my rabbi and I don't know where they have put his body. No sooner had she said this than she turned around and caught sight of Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. He asked her, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? She supposed he was the gardener. So she said, please, if you're the one that carried Jesus away, tell me where you've lain the body, and I will take it away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabboni, which means teacher or rabbi. Jesus then said, don't hold on to me, for I have yet to ascend to Abba God. Rather, go to the sisters and brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Abba and to your Abba, my God and your God. Mary of Magdala went to the disciples. I have seen the teacher, she announced. Then she reported what the Savior had told her. We live in a world where it's almost hard to turn on the television anymore. Uh, the atrocities that are committed in the Ukraine, and that's not the only place. Sometimes on our own streets, not just sometimes, too often on our own streets, in the subways of New York, in schools across our country, on street corners, in homes. We live in a world that seems hell-bent on violence against people who are different. And pretty much, if you get down to it, everybody's different. We're all different than each other. We, we can choose to label one another as different by skin color or religion or nationality, but the bottom line is we're all different, and yet we're all the same. We are all people. And we are all made in God's image. And the resurrection is for all of us, whether you believe it or not. New life is for all of us. The challenge is we don't always practice what we preach. I don't know that I always walk the walk, that I spend a lot of time talking. My whole job seems to be talking the talk. And yet, the talk would be empty without the walk. In the end, it doesn't matter so much what I believe unless it shows in the way my hands work and my ears work and my eyes work and the things I say and the places my feet take me. Because you see, that's the places Jesus went. Jesus went where people needed to know they were seen 
and loved just for who they were. That they too were worthy of being healed. It had nothing to do with how religious you are. Sometimes the more religious you were, the less Jesus wanted to do with you. Heck, I'll be honest with you, the more religious some people are, the less I want to have to do with them. I have the best conversations with atheists. They don't put stuff on me, I don't put stuff on them. But we make so many assumptions about other people of faith. That's another thing the first 200, 300 years of Christianity had was every Christian community reflected Jesus in the way that seemed most right to them. If you went to church on, if you went to church, you can't go to church. If you gathered as the church in those first 300 years, it was probably in somebody's home or hidden in the catacombs because somebody would come get you. And when you gathered together, you saw in one another something that mattered. You know, the church is believed to be one of the very first institutions to break down economic differences. In those first churches, poor people went to worship with rich people. And when they went to worship, they had meals together. Now, in the first century, if you were on the same social status as I was, you could be invited to my house. Because what that means was, I would expect you to be inviting me back. Christianity became that first space where love was experienced as crossing economic lines, color lines, national lines. All of it broke down. Jesus wanted to break down the walls and not just dwell on an empty tomb 2,000 years ago, but to live as though the resurrection might be experienced now today, in this place. Do you believe in the power of God's love to change the world? Do you not only believe in it, do you live like the love will change somebody? You know, I've been reflecting over the last couple of weeks. Um, my work with um, mentoring, doing vocational discernment with uh, what was seven, now six young adults who uh, are split between Jonesville, Virginia and Johnson City, Ten Tennessee, is coming to an end. And I was reflecting on what a gift each one of them has been to me and how their love for me has reshaped my own image of myself and how they have shared with me that my absolute acceptance and unconditional love for them has allowed them to see themselves in different ways. Now that's no pat on my back. That's resurrection life that's for all of us. If you can love and accept a person right where they are, in their good moments and bad, in their happy moments and sad, in their celebratory moments and in their moments of deepest grief, 
And in the most mediocre everyday moments across the board, if we can learn to accept and see one another that way, then Easter is real. Easter isn't real because the tomb was empty. Easter is real because Christ lives on in us. Love is real everywhere we go. We can love our teachers and our students and our coworkers and the people in the store and the people that look like us and the people who don't, the people from here and not. We can be Easter people, but only if we let new life catch us. Because then it is catching. Because the new life is love. Unconditional, infinite love. Preciousness that is not based on your status or the label someone else puts on you. Not even the label you put on yourself. A love that's beyond all of that. That's resurrection life. That's why we do this thing. If we stop loving the world, broken as it is, we stop being the church. We might as well just close the doors. I'll go get another job. As soon as we forget that love is the whole Kit Kat and caboodle, the whole picture of why we do this thing. Those of you who are sitting here and those of you who are online, you're already loved. You were never not loved. You were never not loved. Do you know since before the universe began, 13.8 billion years ago or so, God dreamed of you. You, an expression of God's eternal self, infinite. God dreamed of you. That's great news. God didn't dream you because God was somehow thinking, oh, that failure. There's one of my failures coming 13.8 billion years from now. <sighs> Maybe I could just skip it. Because as the wisdom of Solomon tells us, God doesn't make what God doesn't already love. That you're here is God's love in flesh. Whether you're in person or not, you are loved already. God dreamed of you, and it was not a nightmare. It was a beautiful dream, and it is made flesh in you now. That's the realness of Easter. Can you see yourself as loved? Because when you see yourself as already unconditionally loved, then you can truly love the other. Then you can truly love God. God already loves you. And God asks you to contagiously love the world that God already loves. Forget all the other attributes you learned about God. They don't matter. The one attribute that does is love. For God is love. In and through and sometimes in spite of you and me. God is love. 
Be that love and let it catch. Let the chains of the scars that held you back before be broken by love so that you can be love. We're going to reflect for a moment using a video. Breathe. Orient to my voice. Blink. Hold on. Blink again. Open your eyes and tell me what you see. Do you remember me? Your perspective has changed. Take a moment. The lens of the spirit is compassion and grace. Can you see it? Do you feel it? Go slow. It's just you and me, and we have nothing but time. Take a moment to center on your heart. It is completely unfolded, wide open. All of the emotions from the journey can catch up to you all at once. There's a lot to feel. Take yourself in. You are still you, just different. I have sealed your wounds, but left your scars. Everything in your life has mattered. Remember, but don't dwell on the past. Take my shirt, and here, have my coat as well. I'm sure you're hungry. Have a seat. I'll bring your plate. Here is your cup, full of wine. There is plenty. I'm about to send you out. Are you ready? The world has not changed. It knows no difference in you today from yesterday. In fact, they will try to identify you by the marks of your old ways and hold you to the mythology of your former life. They will look at you sideways. And they will wonder what they see. They may even ask who you think you are, but I know exactly who you are. So rise up, my hope, and carry the message. I am still alive and well in the world, active and fully present. Death is only the beginning. One of the things that we do on a weekly basis is to pray. Now, if indeed we are the resurrection people, if we are truly catching life for now, not for the next world, we'll let the next world worry about itself. If we are truly catching life now, then our calling is to hold the world. Now, sometimes holding the world means holding the world through the West End Food Pantry, handing away food and diapers. As we can see, they have come, and toilet paper for our neighbors on the West End. And sometimes it simply means opening our hearts so that God's love will flow through us. God's love and empowerment will flow through us into the world. 
as the body of Christ, we don't, any one of us, have to hold anything alone. We are meant to hold it together. The yoke that is lighter is the one that is shared. And so it is that we are invited to share one another's burdens. I invite us in this time of silent prayer followed by the Lord's Prayer uh, to be mindful of those in the world who are struggling and hurting. Our Ukrainian sisters and brothers, uh, those who have fled, those who are in the face of the onslaught there, those who have lost loved ones in the last years to COVID-19. We're approaching a million in the United States who have died. And that means there are people who are grieving and who couldn't grieve the normal way. I can't tell you how many friends I know presided over funerals during COVID that was just the family and everyone else had to be virtual because they couldn't be in the same room together. Grief has been bottled up inside of us and we hold that. Our calling as God's people is to hold the world in our hearts trusting that by holding the world in our hearts, God might find the hands God needs to transform the world. And so I invite you to be mindful of those who are struggling and suffering and in pain and grieving, to remember the Alvord family, Craig, who died uh, recently on just at the very beginning of April. They went and buried him last week in uh, Corpus Christi. Um, for all those who are grieving and suffering, struggling in this time. So we'll hold them in our hearts in a moment of silence. I'll then call for the Lord's Prayer, a version of which will be on the screen behind me, but you can pray any version you know, in any language you know, and trust that God hears in uh, multi-languages simultaneously. It's kind of amazing. So let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. Eternal love, we thank you for one another. Even if we don't always do such a good job of loving each other, you do a great job of loving us and inviting us to grow and be transformed by the power of your love. To really be offered a new kind of life, a life that's less about measuring ourselves against anybody else and more about loving everybody else who are all different than we are because you love them and they all reflect your infinite goodness. We are thankful for the Easter message of hope against the face of death because indeed death is only the beginning. 
and we die over and over and over again to the big and little things in our lives, discovering that even after each little death, each broken relationship, each ended job, that there is new life, that you never abandon us. You protect us from nothing and sustain us in everything. And we are thankful. We remember your son Jesus and what he taught us. And it's in his name now we pray the prayer that he modeled for us. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.